Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Hexagon Radio. I'm your host, Christine Grail. Unmanned aircraft systems, LIDAR, photogrammetry, laser scanning, and autonomous data capture. These are just some of the technologies empowering the surveying and construction industries to achieve new levels of accuracy and efficiency. But it's the next generation of professionals applying geospatial technologies who will build the future. On today's podcast, we'll talk about what's drawing young people to study surveying and construction, how we can encourage more students to consider these exciting careers, and how we can help them prepare to meet the challenges of tomorrow. Joining me today is our guest, Paul Holly from Auburn University. Thank you for speaking with us today, Paul. Thanks for having me. So, Paul, you are with the McWhorter School of Building Science at Auburn University. What is the primary focus of that program? Well, the school is part of the College of Architecture, Design, and Construction. And the degree that we offer to our undergraduates is in building construction or building science. Most of our graduates tend to go into their entry-level careers with general contractors, in some cases, specialty contractors, um, in some cases, uh, work for owners and real estate developers. But the primary focus is to prepare these students for a managerial-based career in commercial construction, uh, but certainly technology and associated efforts play a big role in that. Absolutely. So what draws students into the program? What do you find is um, the key reason for students coming in and wanting to participate in this program? Well, I think there's a variety of sources. In many ways, we are seeing uh, more and more students come to the program because of their family business or maybe a friend or a mentor or a neighbor, but somehow or another they've been exposed to the construction industry. I think that some students come to us from another major. Uh, so perhaps they started in civil engineering or architecture and, you know, over the course of their early classwork and so forth, they realized that they would rather be on the performance end of the contract as opposed to um, the design side of things. I think that, um, you know, the media and Hollywood have done a good job of, you know, portraying architects and engineers, but it's not unusual for high school students or parents uh, or guidance counselors, for that matter, when you say, hey, would you like to be a construction manager? And there's a certain amount of unknown there. So we do get a lot of kids who change their major once they understand, you know, uh, sort of what's available. But I think in general, the students have a wide range of interests. I think that as opposed to, say, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the career options have broadened so much within construction that it really has sort of opened the door for students with different personalities or career interests and so forth feel like that they can have a place in the industry. So everybody doesn't have to go outside and pour concrete, although that sounds like a lot of fun to me. But certainly with technology, artificial intelligence, virtual design and construction, a lot of general contractors are starting to self-perform more scope, sort of a return to more self-perform work as opposed to just you know managing contracts. Even residential builders are getting more sophisticated. Um, and so there's just a lot of things that draw the young people to that. I think that most of the young people that come 
realize that it's a demanding business, sort of work hard and play hard. And they're ready for that. They're ready to be challenged. They know that it's not a nine to five, you know, ride the bus and take your lunch kind of profession. And for the student to whom that appeals, then building science or construction management is a pretty appealing discipline. Now, technology is a very important part of what students are learning right now, what is being expected in the field. I know construction companies, engineering companies, they are interested in kids who know technology, and that's something that they look forward to having within their firm. And I know that Auburn does a lot with technology. What kind of geospatial technologies are students working with right now? And I would assume it's not always what we think. Like maybe some of the basics technologies are still needed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that in general, you know, what does change is sort of the baseline expectation, right? So 40 years ago, there were almost no expectations because, you know, technology was not nearly as well employed. Uh, I can remember in my own career after college, the day that my first employer got a fax machine. And that was sort of, you know, the technology of the moment, right? And we've certainly come a long way since then. So today, I think that there's a certain baseline expectation of things like, you know, word processing, spreadsheets, making presentations and those kinds of things, which for many, if not most college students, you know, that's pretty well established, you know, just from being, uh, you know, 18 years old. Um, but in, in our curriculum, there are lots of places for the employment of technology, and we try to start them out relatively early in the curriculum, although like most four-year institutions, the first two years typically include quite a bit of core curriculum. You know, so they're taking some coursework in the major, but also a lot of you know, history, literature, physics, you know, that sort of thing. Yet at Auburn, in the building science curriculum, Students will relatively quickly start to utilize software platforms in parametric modeling. We have a required course in construction surveying and layout. And to your point, you're exactly right. We don't start these guys out with a robotic total station. We start them out with a hundred foot tape and a plumb bob. And, you know, within a matter of days, they have graduated to, you know, builders levels, reflectorless total stations and other types of instruments. And, you know, that's really one of my favorite things about teaching is that these guys are such quick learners and so eager to learn and, you know, understand how things work. They may want to take the instrument apart or something. So you have to sort of keep them in check a little bit. But gosh, the students are such quick learners and it's amazing to watch those guys operate. Also in our curriculum, we have advanced IT classes where they have the opportunity to utilize robotics, artificial and virtual realities, mixed realities. Laser scanning is something that we have been involved with for, gosh, uh, probably 11 years now. We had, a, in fact, a Leica laser scanner donated to us from industry and then graduated and bought a Leica C10 scanner. And we found that reality capture for as-built conditions or existing conditions or conditions prior to renovation or addition, that that is um, really a technology that we think has got a lot of opportunity in it for the students. We were a pretty early investigator of uh, unmanned systems and drones and so forth. I mean, it's very commonplace today in 
it would be easier to count the contractors who don't use drones, I think, but only six or eight years ago before the FAA made licensing available for commercial pilots, it was really up to educational institutions to figure all of that stuff out. So we use a a real wide variety of technology-based platforms, and the students have a lot of opportunities to do that, either in required coursework or in electives and so forth. Um, In our graduate programs, we have similar opportunities, and as you might suspect, at the master's level and at the PhD level, we have students who really want to get down and dirty with, you know, investigating technologies and how they're adopted and so forth. Uh, In fact, we have two students at the moment who are investigating the use of RFID tags in construction. So another technology that I think has some real potential in the forefront. You make the program sound like so much fun. I would imagine that it's pretty easy to draw students into it at this point. I'm curious how students have changed. You've been with the program for more than 20 years, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of change in that amount of time, not just with the technology, but with the students that are coming in and how they approach technology, how they approach communications and things like work ethic, right? So I'm curious what you're seeing about the students that are in your program right now and maybe how that's changed over time. Sure. I think that you know, I see it personally and on several different fronts. I was in industry for a number of years before I, I, I think I got tricked into academia, but I've been at Auburn for 20 years now and uh, really been amazing to see how the student body changes, how the industry changes, and w- uh, sort of whether I like it or not, how I've changed. And, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, 18 to 22-ish year old students Today, they sort of follow the millennial footprint. You know, they're visual learners. They like video. They like options. You know, their priorities are, you know, are different than students, say, 10 years ago, and certainly different than students 20 years ago. By the same token, I think that the construction students are particularly driven. It's a competitive program to be admitted to. And, you know, it's a competitive industry. And, you know, they need to be prepared to work hard for what they're going to get paid. You know, so I think that the students have changed over time. And as faculty, it's a little bit of a balancing act because part of our responsibility is in a professional academic program to make sure that they're ready, make sure they're prepared, make sure they understand that, you know, the industry they're about to go into is, uh, has high expectations. By the same token, I think as faculty, we have to adapt to the students. And so, you know, if you just sort of take the sage on the stage approach and go in and talk about stuff, that's not a particularly effective way to get things done in academia these days. I mean, you know, the students could go to Google and find that information. So there has to be ways to bring context and example and research bring activities, different ways to present material, engagement with industry, you know, competition opportunities, study abroad, service learning. And I think that that has been what has made me really excited to stay in academia and really find that as a long-term opportunity personally is because it's not just dispensing information. It's really a much more sort of dynamic and challenging operation to teach the students. 
while getting that hands-on experience, especially with the technology that you have available, must keep the program very engaging. But you can't just stop there, right? Because what companies need right now is more than just technology understanding. They need to have people who come in and know how to get the work done, right? And so I know Auburn is not just teaching the technology, but there are some soft skills that you are focusing on as well. That's right. It's a, an eternal debate, I guess you might say, because the industry is changing and growing and becoming more you know, complex. Buildings are more complex. And so, you know, when you think about an undergraduate curriculum for, you know, a bachelor's degree, well, that container is only a certain size, for better or for worse. And so you've got to sort out ways to decide what things will you leave behind, what things will you say that we do need to do a foundation material here and they'll learn the advanced stuff later, or there are things that we can move directly to more advanced things because other approaches are obsolete. And it's a balancing act. The other thing is, you know, construction is such a broad and organic subject, if you will, from an academic point of view. And so it's literally impossible to offer everything. And so for a few reasons, one, we don't know everything. And two, even if we did, there's just not enough hours in the day. So we have to be selective of how to approach that. Also, to your point, though, on technology, you know, students are... Um, it's not unusual for them to be eager to get to the technology, and they want to be hands-on. And our construction surveying layout course, for example, that I've taught since I've been there, I think has been a really good way to expose students to something that's not only a technology, but it's also a very tactile learning experience. I like to joke that of all the courses in the curriculum, the surveying course is the only one that operates at a scale of one inch equals one inch. Right. It's not on a computer screen. It's not on a quarter size drawing or whatever. It's at scale. Even if the students that take a class like that, even if they in their professional careers, even if they rarely get behind an instrument again, we feel like it has really outstanding value in the college curriculum because it helps the students think through 3D spatial navigation better. We feel like it helps them read section views in the drawings better. If their career takes them to, say, modeling or laser scanning or something like that, we feel like that having been involved with fundamentals of construction surveying and layout really helps them shape the way they think about that and the way they go through that mental process of taking something that is often two-dimensional and, and making it three. To your other point about the sort of non-technology-based skills, I think that in this economy, many, if not most, contractors are, you know, they're looking for employees in lots of places. And they frequently tell us they wish we could clone some folks and, you know, resources and, and that sort of thing. But by the same token, construction education follows the construction economy. And so our growth and resources are, you know, we like to kind of flatten things out a little bit and not let the highs be too high and not let the lows be too low. And so right now is a little bit of an unusual situation because construction companies are hiring from construction management programs, from two-year programs, from civil engineering programs. They may even cross disciplines and hire from other engineering disciplines, mechanical, uh, electrical, and they may even hire from uh, business majors. 
we have probably maybe between 100 and 150 companies that either recruit from our students or are somehow or another engaged in our program. And while, you know, this is an anecdotal conjecture, I suspect if you took the executives of those 150 companies and said, what are the top two or three things that you're looking for? Technology would be important, but it probably comes in behind communication ability and work ethic. So in their minds, certainly when the demand is as strong for people, they want to hire people who, if they don't already know the technology, can learn the technology. That's something that companies can train. And so at the moment, you know, certainly the students who have differentiated themselves through electives or minors or, you know, some type of program or credential or something like that, you know, companies are finding that very valuable. But by the same token, at the end of the day, the construction companies, they've got to deliver a product. They've got to satisfy a contractual obligation. They need people who can talk to clients, administrators, designers, inspectors subcontractors, but they also need to be able to communicate to craftsmen, laborers, you know, people on the job site, delivery folks, or whatever. And so in that sense, you know, from a communication point of view, I think that builders have one of the widest range of folks that they need to get information to and from. So it's really, uh, you know, sort of an interesting time that in some ways uh, generationally driven, but at the moment, I think the economy probably plays the biggest role in it. So I know at the McWhorter School of Building Science, you have a couple of different emphases. One of them is on the students and the learning aspect, but you also have a focus on research and on industry. Let's talk about the research and industry side for a minute. What kind of research is your group involved in at the moment that you find really exciting or engaging? Sure. Well, maybe I'll talk about research and innovation first. You know, as part of our academic appointments, Auburn is an R1 institution, and so there's a research expectation as part of our appointment. And there's lots of ways that our faculty go about that. One way is through a research center that I am part of the administration of, the Center for Construction, Innovation, and Collaboration. And it's a funded entity through which uh, faculty in the School of Building Science can apply for grants and funding for materials, technology, software, travel, you know, funding a graduate student, you know, to do work. And um, the way that that center uh, sort of picks and chooses, right? There's a committee of folks that are both academic and from industry to determine which projects get funded. And one of the things that in the last two or three years that we have employed is we wanted the center to have a focus, but we also wanted the focus to be fluid, which is sort of a, you know, you can't have it both ways sort of proposition. In other words, we'd like for the center to have identity, but by the same token, we certainly appreciate the latitude. So the way the center operates is industry actually determines what we call the current construction imperatives. And so that way, what that research work becomes known for is whatever industry thinks is important at the time. And at the time, today, the number one construction imperatives are skilled labor shortage, and the use of technology on the job site. And so 
a number of our faculty have current research projects related to the potential for application of technology on the job site. We have guys working on projects associated with virtual and augmented reality. We have folks working using laser scanning for data capture on construction projects, but also historic preservation. We have folks, you know, working on robotics using everything from robotic total stations to we've invested in a Boston Dynamics robotic dog that, you know, has a payload that can carry things like a scanner or other types of devices. And so as a faculty, we have quite a few folks who are working in that innovation space through funding from the center. But what I find that's pretty unique about it is that industry basically decides or guides what our faculty are engaged in on that front. So I think that that's something that is relatively unique about us, and we certainly have had some success with faculty's work on that front. As a segue to the industry piece that you mentioned, I think that, you know, with some bias, I would say that Auburn's construction management program, the the School of Building Science, we have one of the finest industry engagement relationships out there. We certainly have some peer schools that have really great programs. Certainly, I'm not suggesting that we're alone in that boat, but our program was founded in the 1940s. In fact, Auburn and the University of Florida and and a couple of other institutions were the first universities in the country to establish a program or a major in building construction. And so over time, what that has done is it means that we literally have thousands of alumni and you know, graduates from the program, and that sort of perpetuates itself as those folks become executives with construction companies or start their own companies and so forth. And so we literally have, I mean, just really an unbelievable amount of industry interest and engagement. We also have a program of size. We have about 700 students in uh, the School of Building Science at the moment. And I would say 260 of those are in the upper level, you know, the professional program. So we graduate about, actually, we have more than that. We graduate about 155 a year. So that would put us at over 300 in the professional program. And one of the hallmarks of the program is our sort of active engagement in addition to regular coursework. So our students regularly participate in competition teams, study abroad, you know, service projects either locally in the community or domestically after uh, storm damage, you know, events, and also internationally in South America and, and other places. And so there's all these activities and things for students to do. And what we find is that industry is very quick to support that either with personnel or resources or funding or access to job sites. And so it's really a great resource that we have that we try to be very mindful and, you know, understand that that could be something that other programs may not have. And so we try to be uh, humble about, you know, that as a resource for us. But quite frankly, the, the number of folks that have come through the program and then become successful in industry has really enabled us to have industry engagement that helps us in and out of the classroom and in all of these sort of atypical opportunities that students have to do. Now, we also know that, you know, I mean, industry is doing that because they're interested in, you know, supporting the construction industry. Maybe there's some school pride, you know, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, they're also trying to hire these guys. 
I mean, nobody's kidding around. You know, we know, we know what the deal is, right? We're trying to make it a mutually beneficial arrangement where we invite the industry in the classroom. You know, internships, co-op opportunities, and all of those things are what makes the overall undergraduate experience so rich. So it sounds like with the tremendous demand for talent that's out there right now, if there is a construction contractor or another organization that would like to partner with Auburn University to make sure that they're at the top of the list for any new talent that comes out, there are certainly opportunities available. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the competition is pretty stiff, and I think that's probably true at most construction management programs across the country and even into civil engineering and and other related disciplines. But we do find that the companies that students tend to gravitate to or at least have, you know, interest in, you know, seeing what they're all about as they choose, you know, where their career path is going to take them are the companies that engage while they were in school. So whether that be through sponsorship or resources or you know, some active learning opportunity or field trips or helping to coach competition teams or whatever the activity might be, there's always room for more folks in the sandbox. What most excites you about the future of the construction industry? Gosh, um, well, I guess it's the change at an increasing rate. You know, uh, we've joked around about the fax machine earlier. But to think about how technology and buildings and process and project delivery methods, you know, just the way the contractors operate, you know, contractors don't just go, you know, get the contract and here's the bond and build the stuff and see you later. The public-private partnerships, design, build, IPD, you know, uh, contractors taking equity positions in projects, it really, you know, sort of demonstrates how quickly the industry is changing and how construction is really not just a large business, but it is big business. I think I read where in 2021 in the United States, we spent $1.6 trillion on construction. And so other than, you know, government, it's the largest industry. So, you know, in that sense, it's really exciting to see how things can and will change so much, you know, about the buildings themselves or about the process or about you know, the, you know, building systems, new materials, new components, new, you know, new skin systems, new roofing products, you know, new ways to heat and cool buildings, sustainability initiatives, all of those kinds of things. And then it's sort of selfishly in my career, I'm similarly motivated by changes in construction from an academic point of view. And while we have our challenges ahead of us, you know, particularly with how people become educated or get credentials and the cost of education is, you know, probably a different podcast. But by the same token, it's really exciting to be an educator in these times. I think that we've come a long way from the one-way street transfer of information. And I think that that's been kind of a hard cruise ship to turn because construction has been around for, you know, I mean, thousands of years, and the way that it has perpetuated itself is through the guild and the apprenticeship process, right? So, in other words, the more experienced people teach the less experienced people what to do, and that's just sort of the way it goes. But one thing that technology does is it creates opportunity for mutual and reverse mentoring. So, while I may have experience in contracts and concrete frames and, you know, and things from an industry career that I can offer the students, 
the students can help teach me about technology and applications and things about how they approach things. And so I'm very open to that. I have two kids of my own, and so I see that on a personal level, but it's really exciting to work with young people. So looking forward to more years of academia. That's such a great perspective. Thank you so much for those insights, Paul. I look forward to seeing how your program at Auburn University continues to grow. To our listeners, you can learn more and tune in to more Hexagon Radio episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Or visit hexagonspotlight.com for more stories from Hexagon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.